Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. Hello, and welcome to the pilot episode of the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. I'm your host, Dave Becker. As of the recording of this episode, I have 35 months of continuous sobriety. I'm the founder of Sober Gay Sunday, a Boston-based social group for members of the LGBTQIA plus community who identify as sober. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. Today's episode is about getting to know me and my journey. Uh, this is like take 875 because apparently talking into a microphone to an audience that doesn't exist yet is rather challenging. So please bear with me. In the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing other sober queers on their journey and sober experiences. So I figured I'd just essentially interview myself. So here we go. I guess let's start at the beginning. My childhood was good. Loving family, mom and dad still married, amazing twin sister. Suburban Boston life was pretty dang normal. However, I was an anxious little boy. I was the one holding onto my mother's leg while my sister ran ahead and explored everything. One thing that seemed to make my anxiety melt away was gymnastics. My mom put me in classes at the ripe old age of two, and I loved it. A few years later, I was asked to join the competitive team, and that's when the intensive training and bullying began. Without going into details of my intensive gymnastics upbringing, I'll just say that my teammates and my coach really liked picking on me. Everyone experiences bullying. Everyone that was a little bit different is picked apart, and being a little anxious boy made me a very easy target. So why don't we just flash forward to my first drinking experience since we've already established my quote-unquote trauma as a child. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was definitely in high school. And it was at a family party. Probably one of the safest places you could have your first drink. Your first real drink. As I drank with my family and the alcohol started to take effect, I felt this release. I felt myself opening up. I could just talk. All that anxiety in my head just vanished. I laughed, I cried, I told jokes. I was the version of myself that I always wanted to be. I wanted to feel like that all the time, which, as we know, is not the best mindset to have. From there, we moved on to college. Drinking at this point was so much fun. Yes, we got messy. Yes, we made throw up. <laughs> Yes, we hooked up with people we shouldn't have. Yes, we stumbled. Yes, we picked fights. Yes, we entered limbo contests at nightclubs. But everyone did. I'm still, even now in my sobriety and my old age, a firm believer that college is a time to make mistakes. It's time to figure shit out. It's time to be a mess. It's time to push your limits. For me, though, it kept solidifying that feeling I felt that very first time. That... I want to feel this way all the time feeling. And when college ended, I didn't want the party to end with it. This is where things get messy. Post-college between the ages of 21 and 25 were the hardest, for sure. College was over. I was forced to move home once my roommates went their separate ways. And with all of this change came increased anxiety. And you know what helped with my anxiety? Drinking. For years, I was chasing the high of my college experience. It was during this time that the drinking was joined by drugs, and the perfect storm began. I won't go into all the details, that's really for another episode, but I royally messed with my life. Work started to notice my crazy, my parents, my friends, my sister, my boyfriends, everyone was concerned. 
Drinking and drugging in the suburbs before Uber and Lyft even existed was a perfect recipe for disaster. After two DUIs within a year of each other, I finally realized that it was time to grow up. I got sober for the first time by court order in 2014 and maintained that sobriety for three years. Cut to 2017. I've been sober for three years and still loved going out dancing. My anxiety was still strong, but I ignored it, which I hear is really effective. I would go out on Saturday nights with my friends and do my best to enjoy myself. One night at an after-hours party, one of my buddies pulled me aside and told me that my quiet, shy disposition wasn't that much fun to be around. He said everyone admired what I looked like, but found approaching me hard because I seemed so distant. So, like any good friend, he offered me drugs. As I looked around at the room of the faces of the people that I really wanted to connect with, I reluctantly took them. As the drugs took effect, I felt exactly like I had that first time back in high school. The version of myself that I wanted to be so badly started to wake up. And it was fun. It really was. For a while. A year or so of connecting with the circuit scene in Boston and around the country made me feel like I really had found a home. But then a big, scary demon from my past started to rear its ugly head. Meth. Yo, yeah. (laughs) forgot to mention her. Tina. Have you heard of her? She's a bitch. She took a hold of me around the time of my second DUI back in 2013-2014. Drinking alcohol always seemed to lead me back to her. And slowly but surely, that pattern started up again. Didn't matter what substance I used, one by one, they all became a yellow brick road back to her. The cycle of going out and partying with my circuit friends on a Saturday night only to sneak off to my own seedy after hours to tangle with Tina went on for a couple of years. It wasn't every day. It wasn't every weekend. It wasn't even every month. But when it did happen, the come down took days. And then, one day, while at a pool party in Provincetown, Massachusetts, a good enough reason to stop walked into my life. With a single, perfectly executed pickup line, I was hooked on something else. Love. Now, I'm a hopeless romantic. Anyone I've ever dated would tell you this. But this, this love affair knocked even my endlessly optimistic shorts off. The details of this relationship could be three episodes all on their own. So I'll just say this. He was not a love. He was the love. Nothing, or so I thought could have pulled us apart. This is a good time to take a moment to speak on the way things went in a very practical way. I wasn't taking my sobriety seriously at this point. I didn't use while him and I were together because I was so ridiculously happy. The coping mechanism of drugs and alcohol wasn't needed to counteract my anxiety. Happy brain, very little anxiety, very little need or want or desire to drink or use. It was going to take the end of the world to knock me off this amazing high horse I was on. So the universe said, end of the world, coming right up. March 2020. You know. We all know. Some people danced online. Some people started a new hobby. Some people started running or killing those home workouts. I wanted to be one of those people. I really did. But I just wasn't. I fell apart. I broke. The stability of routine, the stability of staying busy, the stability of staying motivated, the stability of being needed was gone. 
Even with my love only a few feet away from me, I felt completely alone. Panic attacks were a daily occurrence, and because I lacked the tools to deal with it, I stayed silent. I stayed silent for months, until the white knuckle hold on my almost year of sobriety came crashing down. A seven-day meth bender was the straw that broke the camel's back in my relationship. On July 4th, 2020, the love left. I had two options, stay sick or get better. I knew I needed to take my sobriety seriously. I had to ask for help. I had to be honest with everyone around me about who and what I was. I was Dave. I was an addict. I was an alcoholic. But I was also scared. I was anxious. I felt alone. I felt devastated. I felt like an absolute failure. The perfect place to start recovery. So on July 5th, 2020, I started day one. And so this incredible journey of sobriety began. I'm almost three years in. And from the very beginning, I chose to make my sobriety as public as possible. I figured by sharing my story with the world, so to speak, not to sound cringy, but you know, I figured putting my journey out there would be a great way to be held accountable. Best case scenario, my story would reach someone struggling with their own battle of addiction, and it would give them hope. And that's what I hope to do here. Give hope. Podcasts like the Sober Gay and Seltzer Squad were one of the first things I turned to when I started my sobriety journey. Listening to people who had gone through the same thing I went through and survived made me feel like it was possible. So here I am, paying it forward, so to speak. This podcast is just one of the many ways I'm trying to show up for my community. This has been said so many times, but it still rings true. If this makes a difference in one person's life, then it's worth it. With that being said, I hope you join me for many more stories, experiences, guests, adventures, and laughs. Because this is just the beginning. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys.